0: Welcome to the Walk Podcast of the Thompson Institute, a podcast for students and faculty on your walk across campus as a resource for your spiritual journey. I'm Aaron Badenhop, And I'm Jordan Browning. And we
1: are your hosts and fellow Buckeyes. In episode three, we continue our conversation with Dr. James K.A. Smith about life in a secular society. In it, we ask what it means that we might be haunted by God. And is freedom from any sort of constraint of our desires and our wants really actually freedom?
0: Uh, Could you talk about uh, haunting imminence? And you touched on this a little bit. Um, And I wonder if there are people on our campus that are experiencing what you describe Um, but don't know it or can't put words to it. Can you put some words to what you mean by haunting eminence?
2: Yeah, so uh, maybe just back up a tick. So what what Taylor would say is, um, in a sense, a secularist account of a secular age, you know, the kind of naturalistic, uh, uh, quasi-atheistic account of what it means to live in a secular age, is just not very good theory because it doesn't make sense of the messiness and complexity of the secular age and what like what people really experience in a secular age so uh, um, you to be honest right I mean a university is a non-representative sample but for the most part out and about in the world you don't run into a ton of people who say I'm an ardent naturalistic atheist I mean if they are're they, they're, they're kind of like vegans you will know immediately <laughs> you know uh, um, you don't have to ask they will tell you but that's a that's a that's a small hmm. sample instead what do we run into a lot we run into people who say I'm spiritual but I'm not religious right so there's yep. there's th- and the secularist the the sample Sam Harris is the Christopher Hitchens of the world. Their accounts don't make sense of how many people are not willing to relinquish a something more. Do you know what I mean? Like they're not signing up for institutional religion, but there is still these sorts of cracks and openings where they're not, they can't just write off some kind of mystery or longing. And so I, yeah, I'm really interested in the phenomena we see in a a secular society in which people are still kind of like it's it's like there's some sort of other that's knocking on the door, and we we wish it would shut up, but it won't, and it keeps kind of bugging us, so we'll try to carve it down to size of something we can manage, but uh, um, it's like I remember in uh, Steve Jobs, bio, the biography of Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson, you know, near the end of Steve Jobs' life, and Jobs is in many ways almost like the paragon of late modernity, you know. Founder of Apple, design, beauty, technology, capitalism—right? He's the whole thing. And and as he's facing death, he says to Isaacson, "You know, I'm about fifty-fifty on believing in God." <laughs> Which is, if, if you're in San Francisco and you meet somebody who's fifty-fifty on believing God, it's like I will take that bet. Do you yeah. know, like that's that's yeah. an interesting. He doesn't fit the typical narrative. Yeah. So there's these. I think it's much more messy and open. I think you hear it in popular music. I think you see it in films that Mm -hmm. people are still gravitate towards. Maybe we're still domesticating transcendence so it doesn't ask anything of us. But Taylor is just saying the secularist account of our age doesn't do
1: justice to all of these kinds of phenomena. Would you even say, too, that maybe I'm putting words or thoughts in your mouth, like that that's where the... Christian then could step in to say, here's an explanation for what's yeah, going yeah, on yeah. to yeah, help yeah. make sense of Yeah, it's interesting. We have a little mystery. bit of a
2: precedent like that. In, in, um, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, there's this episode where Paul, the Apostle Paul, goes to Athens, which is the center of philosophy hmm. and thinking at the time. And what's intriguing is in the center of kind of rational deliberation on Mars Hill, the Areopagus, he sees actually all these altars and and one of them is even dedicated to an unknown god. And and uh, Paul's like kind of admires them. It's like, "Wow, you guys are really covering all your bases. <laughs> you have got you not there's something going on that you don't even know about. You want but you mm-hmm. want to make sure you've kind of yeah. given it head room. Hedge your bets. Yeah, hedge your <laughs> bets. And so uh, that's what that's what I would say uh, um, one way to see what uh Christian philosophical accounts do. And Taylor very much does this by the way in a secular age. is says, "Well, okay, try this on and see if it doesn't make better sense. In a way, mm. he gives a non-secularist account of the secular that, that he says, well, what would happen if you started with the assumption that there actually is transcendence? Mm. Okay, so just entertain that as a hypothesis. Does that do a better job theoretically of making sense of phenomena that we see? And he argues that, yes, this is actually better theory. Mm. Um, and so that's the opening, the kind of okay. cracks in the secular that you can yeah. walk through.
0: Yeah. Well, you also, in uh, How Not to Be Secular, you engage with Barnes, and you mm-hmm. say the Christian religion didn't last so long merely because everyone believed it. It lasted because it makes for a hell of a novel, yeah. which is pretty close to Tolkien's claim that the gospel is true because it is the most fantastic fantasy, the greatest fairy story ever told. Now, I think that there are a lot of people on the campus who consider Christianity to be more what Tim Keller calls a straitjacket, you know, that, mm-hmm. that whatever Christianity is, it just exists to hold people back from doing what they want to do, mm-hmm. uh, which seems to be quite the opposite of mm-hmm. a fantastic fantasy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I'm wondering how you might respond to mm-hmm. a person who doesn't, doesn't think of Christianity as, as having this fantastic fantasy yeah. to it.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, my first, my first response is probably to just ask for their patience and ask them to consider that what they think they know of Christianity isn't Christianity. And, and by the way, I also think sometimes a lot of the Christianity that's a lot of the Christianities that people walk away from are sometimes faiths worth losing because they are, they are stunted, flattened bastardized versions of what is true, authentic, full Christianity. And so in some ways, you almost have to lose those, you know, there's there's Christianities, for example, that are uh, uh, functionally equivalent to Americanism, for example, right? Or there are Christianities that are just these kind of Sunday school simplicities and pieties. Those are Christianities that you actually have to leave in the dust in order to come to this kind of a Christianity, which is the fantasy, right? The eucatastrophe, as, as Tolkien puts it. Um, uh, so, yeah, what what I think um, Christianity is probably not what you think it is would be the first move. And then secondly, to realize the straitjacket concern, um, Mostly stems from a conception we have of our own freedom, for example, right? So, and this is kind of a classic philosophical conversation. There are many different ways of thinking about freedom. Uh, Our default way of thinking about freedom is what we would call libertarian freedom. So what that means is I am free just to the extent that I am unconstrained. Right. So the more you multiply my options, the more free I am, because uh, now freedom is just freedom from constraint. That's libertarian freedom. I actually think just philosophically, that's a really bad way to think about freedom. And what's interesting is I think we all have the sense in which, in fact, just being sort of thrown into something and given 50 million options without any channel or direction or uh, uh, prompt is paralyzing. Like that's its own sort of straitjacket, right? Just, just not being any given any guidance or guardrails, uh, and and just faced with this slew of options turns out to be its own kind of paralysis that that binds me, as opposed to what we would call compatibilist freedom, um, which is a, a notion of being free where, in fact, to be free is to be empowered to choose the good right? That actually being given the ability to realize what is for my own good ends. And in that sense, uh, what Christianity promises is the grace to finally be human, right? It's actually the empowerment to finally be able to make the choices that are for my good. Hmm. And uh, uh, that's part of the story, right? So in that sense, Christianity is a liberation, not a paralyzing. Hmm. And, uh, but that, that way of thinking about freedom is so um, uh, counter-cultural almost. <laughs> yes. Except, here's, here's another place where I think there's this interesting open. I think we might be reaching a nadir in our cultural moment in which people are realizing you know what we thought was liberation is not all it's cracked up to be. Do you know what I mean? And mm. and 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 you, and you know what you can be a junior at college, and and you know you get to college and what you what you can't wait for is to get out of your parents' house to get away from all the rules. Now you're your own person. You can do whatever you want, and so you do that and you you dive into that and you embrace that for three years. And at the end of your junior year, you're sitting around and you're like. What the hell am I doing? Dude, like this, (laughs) this, 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 I'm exhausted, I'm Mm -hmm. unhappy, I have all these hurts and wounds in my life. Like this, this is what my quote unquote freedom got me to. And at that point, you start looking around and say, you know, what I I really wish. And and at that point, now you are actually so kind of bound by the habits you've set for yourself that you find it hard to break out of them and choose a way of life that would be nourishing and and life-giving. And at that point, if somebody came along and said, here is the kind of springboard and possibility for you to live towards a good that you can't imagine for yourself now that sounds to me like liberation Hmm. so it's it's a fundamentally different way of talking about freedom in a sense
1: i like that a lot i think that's awesome it's great A a question i had and i maybe the question is uh let me know if i'm making too big of a leap in in my brain so as as you've been talking through the Taylor stuff, secular age, in my head, I'm I'm wondering like, is part of even us as Christians do we need to let go of the idea that America is a Christian nation? Is that part of this too? Like the nationalism mixed with Christianity, is that part of, like that we don't have to be scared of letting that go in a sense that that's part of the what we need to shed even like what you were talking about a little bit earlier. I don't, I don't know if that's too much of a leap. It's not too much of a leap.
2: No, I, I totally see the connection there. And and so the answer is just complicated. and I I want to dive into the complication. So my first response is yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay. That, that, uh, um, the, the sense that, um, uh, America as a project and Christianity are just intertwined and identical. Mm-hmm. Um, has mostly led to a terrible uh, distortion of Christianity, right? So it's, uh, um, and especially when. By the way, you can you can sort of affirm the American project without that just sliding into white ethno nationalism for the record. but but it's it's increasingly hard to sure. distinguish those two things yeah. right now which I think is sure. really unfortunate so yeah. the the first answer is yes absolutely let's sift up and let's remember by the way the majority of christians in the world today are not white european or ancestors of white Europeans, right? Mm-hmm. So, right. so the, the Christianity is not enfolded into any national identity, and in some sense, what Christianity promises is that, in in uh, the New Testament, it says that uh, um, actually the transnational body of Christians are their own kind of nation. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, yep. your 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 allegiance is primary somewhere else. The only thing I would add to a layer of complication to that is. On the other hand, historically, we can't deny that in many ways a lot of the practices and intuitions that we've come to identify with liberal democracy, which, by the way, I think are for the most part gifts to a society trying to live in common. um, The emergence of liberal democracy in the West is deeply indebted to intuitions and principles that we learned from Christianity. Mm-hmm. So there is there is a Christian legacy to liberal democracy. Mm-hmm. That's not the same thing as saying a country and Christianity are identical. Yeah. And I, the reason I want... This is actually m- my new book that's coming out in November, Awaiting the King on Political Theology, t- takes this point really seriously. Okay. Because yeah. this is why I think Christianity can make a contribution to the wider common good. Because in fact... A lot of the dispositions and habits and virtues you need in democratic citizens, Um, a thoroughly secularized society does not have the institutions that birth in us tolerance, patience, forgiveness. And so it's increasingly looking like the American experiment needs uh, religious communities to produce people with the habits and dispositions that we need to actually be good citizens. Mm -hmm. And So I want to complicate that conversation a little bit.
0: One of the things that uh, Jamie Smith said that stuck out to me is he talked about how it's possible that there there are people out there who have rejected the Christian faith because of certain experiences that they've had in their background with with church. Hmm. But what stuck out to me is he talked about how sometimes there are faiths worth rejecting. There Hmm. are Christianities uh, worth rejecting because there are all kinds of distortions of Christianity. Hmm. And so what stuck out to me is 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 that because I find myself agreeing with him that, you know, there are so many students I've talked to who've expressed uh, experiences they've had with Christianity where I would affirm what their their rejection of the faith Mm -hmm. in in light of what they've experienced. In other words, um, what they're rejecting is not the true biblical, historic, uh, loving Christian faith. Hmm. um but some some distortion, some rep- misrepresentation that ought to be rejected hmm. and and so to me the alternative is not necessarily well uh, i guess i'll just not be religious or i'll embrace some sort of new age spirituality or something but it, what it, that does is it helps us to say maybe maybe there's a another expression of the christian faith out there that is actually what i'm looking for
1: hmm. I, I feel like you can Tell me if you think I'm right here, but I, I feel like we often hear this in conversations when um, people feel as though you have to choose science or religion, like it's one or the other, um, and that to choose religion is to uh, just throw everything um, that science has to offer away. And that's not the christianity that i believe in i don't think that's the christianity that you believe in Mm -hmm. uh and so that there's something there that's worth rejecting these false dichotomies even that we find that are easy to slip into
0: well be sure not to miss the last segment of our interview with james k smith philosopher at calvin college in episode four
1: thanks so much for listening to the walk of the thompson institute The personal views presented by the scholars and professors on our podcast do not represent the views of their employer. For upcoming events and for more information, visit thethompsoninstitute.org, a program of CREW at Ohio State.